Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's start with Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Joshua P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more on this edition of the show, Dangerous Supernatural Games, and Bigfoot Teeth. (laughs) Yeah, two strange topics for you on this show, at least two. And when it comes to supernatural games, most of us have have heard of things like Bloody Mary or Light as a Feather. Uh, But I recently came across some more weird games that I'd never heard of before, like the Answer Man or the Elevator Game. Have you heard of those? Uh, Well, I'm going to to tell you about them and uh, why that some of them have sort of caught on (laughs) with certain daring people. But I, I think I want to start with the Bigfoot thing, however. Uh, of course, if you've listened to this show for a while, you probably have heard me talk occasionally about cryptids. But if you're new to that term, a cryptid is an animal that may or may not exist. Okay, which is related to cryptozoology. And so the classic examples most people think of as a cryptid would be, of course, like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. Then we have super bizarro creatures, which could also be called cryptids like Mothman or the Chupacabra. But then we also have cryptids, which actually, as it turns out, end up being real creatures. They move from cryptozoology into the realm of zoology once scientists give the creature the stamp of 
approval. Uh, I, I guess a good example of this would be the mountain gorilla. It was not uh, discovered by scientists until the 1900s. That's amazing. And then uh, in some cases, we have these creatures that were thought to be extinct, and it turns out they are not extinct. One of the best examples, of course, was, I think, in 1938, when some fishermen caught a coelacanth, which was a fish that had supposedly been extinct for millions of years. And this thing was, you know, swimming around fine and dandy. So uh, it's I, I've always thought it was just amazing to to think about the fact that scientists did not acknowledge the reality of dinosaurs in general until the 1800s. That's not that long ago. I mean, these fossils have always been around. Uh, I mean, I guess in some cultures they would just say, look, we have an old dragon skull here or something. But finally, you know, one scientist in particular, he said, look, this is real. This is a fossil of some kind of, well, dinosaur means terrible lizard. <laughs> and he said, not only is this real, that as it turns out, there are fossils everywhere. I mean, what an eye-opening revelation that I guess you could say that the idea of dinosaurs would have been cryptozoological, that dinosaurs would have been cryptids up until that point. So you see there are a lot of different facets to what what it can be considered a, a cryptid. Now, as you also may or may not know, when it comes to many of these things, uh, like, for example, Bigfoot, um, I think that in most cases, when people say I've seen a Bigfoot, that they have encountered some kind of a mystical or metaphysical or interdimensional being. That's my opinion, just because um, I think that if Bigfoot, in most cases, was a normal biological organism running around out there like the mountain gorilla was, then there would be much more physical evidence that's just my opinion and that's really neither here nor there because i still have always been very interested in the idea of cryptids uh, cryptids when i was a little kid one of the first books i read that got me hooked and in, into the world of the unknown was about like the abominable snowman and then of course i read all about the patterson bigfoot encounters and the loch ness monster so i i collect all kinds of um interesting things uh, as you uh probably recall i even had a museum at one point and i guess i still do have a museum it's just in storage right now but i'm i'm putting some things back on display but i have got some fossils uh i'm not a huge fossil collector but last year i i made a contact in another country i don't want to tell you uh exactly all the details yet um surrounding who this guy is but he is one of the the biggest fossil collectors and dealers that i'm aware of in the entire world and he was he was presenting some stuff from his collection that was for sale and he had some plesiosaur teeth and instantly uh my eyes lit up because a lot of people have said that if the Loch Ness monster is a real creature, then it might be a plesiosaur that did not go extinct. Now, plesiosaurs, like if you think of what, what the Loch Ness monster supposedly looks like, you know, like a, a creature that's got a big hump 
and and flippers or fins and a big long neck. Uh, I mean, that's what plesiosaurus looked like. And I I think that um, if to be technically um, accurate, that there are uh, there's a, a plesiosaur, and then a, then there was a type called a plesiosaurus, which was a a branch of plesiosaur. But but anyway. As I said, dinosaur means terrible lizard. And, and plesiosaur actually means, uh, I think it, it means like seems like a lizard. Okay. Close to lizard. That's what that means. Because a plesiosaur is not technically a dinosaur. Uh, and I'm just going to call them plesiosaurs, but I guess you could call them a plesiosaurus. A plesiosaur is, uh, or it was, um, an ancient aquatic reptile. All right. And I'm looking right now at the Wikipedia page and they say distinguishable by its small head, long and slender neck, broad turtle like body, short tail, two pairs of large elongated paddles. And so if it is indeed possible that these did not go extinct millions of years ago, I think they say that they supposedly went extinct like 66 million years ago. If they did not, and there are still some that are trapped in this body of water we know as Loch Ness, then that could certainly be a possible explanation for these Loch Ness monster sightings. Now, whether or not that's the case, in my mind, there has always been this strong association between plesiosaurs and the Loch Ness monster. And so when this guy says, look, I got some plesiosaur teeth, I thought, well, I've got to buy those. That's just one of the coolest fossils you could have, right? And so I bought some plesiosaur teeth and right off the bat, I thought this would make a cool necklace. So I went to my workshop and I sat down and started talking to Lauren about different ideas. And we figured out a way to turn one of these plesiosaur teeth, which is, it looks really cool. It's like a, it's like a big, long, sharp, kind of tan colored fang is what it kind of looks like like a curved fang because they have these mean teeth if you if you see pictures of this you'll you'll understand what i'm what i'm saying you would not want to get uh trapped in the jaws of a plesiosaur but it's just a really cool looking necklace and then i thought you know what if i made myself a necklace that also has some kind of a a tooth from a gigantopithecus because a lot of people believe that Bigfoot might actually be this creature called gigantopithecus, which was the largest ape that ever lived and that it did not go extinct. So you see the connection. The two probably most famous cryptids are Bigfoot and the Loch Ness monster and the two actual ancient extinct creatures associated with those were the plesiosaur and the gigantopithecus. And so I thought I want to get a gigantopithecus tooth. And that way I'll have this really cool necklace that's got, you know, these teeth from these extinct creatures that may be related to these famous cryptids because gigantopithecus, I believe it went extinct. They, they claim about 350,000 years ago. And it lived primarily in Asia. Of course, some people think that it may have crossed over into North America, just like people did. 
over uh, like a, a land bridge over the Bering Strait or something like that. Well, regardless, um, yeah, it supposedly went extinct 350,000 years ago. And then it was another one of these things, I believe, in like the 1930s, there was this scientist who was in Asia. And uh, I think he was in China, actually. And he went to an apothecary shop where they would sell old bones that people would use for different types of treatments you know sometimes they grind them up and drink them and they were selling these teeth and he said what the heck are these and it turns out they they were calling them dragon teeth but they were gigantopithecus teeth and he made this monumental discovery when we come back from this break i'll tell you how this applies to my project and uh one of the things that i've been up to lately And then later we'll get to dangerous supernatural games. Uh, As you probably know, if you want to be the first person to find out about some of these projects that I'm into, like the one I'm talking about, sometimes I don't talk about them on this podcast until I announce them first a week or two in advance through my free e-newsletter. If you want to be a subscriber go to joshuapwarren.com there's no period after the p and then on the home page there just put your email address into my newsletter bank hit the submit button and when you do that you will instantly receive an automated email from me with some links to some free online digital gifts joshuapwarren.com i am joshua p warren and you're listening to strange things on the iheart radio and coast to coast am paranormal podcast network and i will be right back this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. people don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down you may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash strange things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash strange things. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. Ajitato Zume! You know what? Recently... Lauren and I were walking through a casino here in Las Vegas, and as often happens, we walked past a woman who was wearing very little clothes, and Lauren and I looked at each other, and I said, Ajitato Zume! And uh, now, don't worry, uh, Lauren is, is not... Uh, the type of woman who gets jealous over things like that. Trust me, there are plenty of magic mics running around Las Vegas as well. Uh, but we laughed and I realized, hmm, maybe my, my magical word can be used in a variety of other scenarios. I wonder just how useful that word is going to end up being. You can try that out yourself, perhaps. <laughs> Okay, so Gigantopithecus, largest ape that ever lived, 10 feet tall. Amazing, amazing. And did they say that uh, its closest living relative today would be orangutans? And Gigantopithecus went extinct because of climate change. And supposedly, they, uh, some of the best remains that they found have been in caves in Asia. And it's certainly likely that they lived in caves, but they say that one thing that they know for sure is that porcupines would have dragged their bones into those caves as well. Because apparently porcupines do not eat meat. I mean, they eat insects and stuff like that, but they, they love bones. They sharpen their teeth on them and they also can get some nutrients like, uh, salt and calcium from them so porcupines gnaw on and eat bones you learn something new every day but 
That said, still, it turns out very few Gigantopithecus fossils have been found. Very few, uh, especially good ones. And so, uh, and who knows how many of them may have been destroyed by some of these practices I was telling you about, you know, selling them in apothecary shops and stuff before people knew what they were. But my understanding is that good fossils are so rare. There's only one big repository for them, and that's in Europe. I think it might be in Germany. And so you cannot just go out there and buy a Gigantopithecus tooth. I mean, it's probably technically impossible to do that. There were lots of plesiosaurs. You can buy a plesiosaur tooth, but... um I don't, I mean, I, I probably the only way you could get a Gigantopithecus tooth, unless you found one yourself, was to, is to be part of, you know, a university or something and you're trying to study it or maybe a museum. So here I am with my necklace with my plesiosaur tooth. And, but then I thought, well, I'd, I'd sure love to have a Gigantopithecus tooth here, even though I can't get one. So here's what I did I started studying these fossils because there are some reproductions of jaw bones and stuff out there. I obtained some of these. Uh, there are some uh, like scans and 3d pictures and stuff like that that you can look at. And so long story short, my wife, Lauren is, she's very talented when it comes to all kinds of arts and crafts and she loves to sculpt things. And so we worked together and we studied these fossils and she ended up, sculpting a, a what we believe is an exact replica of a gigantopithecus tooth it's huge it looks amazing and then i contacted the best 3d printing experts in all of las vegas i'm going to give you their website address just in case you are in the vegas area it's called vegas 3d printing their website is vegas the number 3 and then the letters DP, as in Vegas 3D printing. So Vegas, Vegas number three, DP.com. And I, I, so I went over there and talked to the manager. They did a professional scan of this Gigantopithecus tooth sculpture. They, they, they sent it to their CAD artist and they were able to put a hole that went through it, uh, just the right dimensions that I needed. And then they produced a small batch of these with their best 3D printers. And I went and I met with the owner of the place and he brought out this box and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm the only person in the world who has got these actual replicas, like genuine two scale replicas of Gigantopithecus teeth. And so then, of course, I added it onto my necklace with some wooden beads. And it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's such a cool necklace. So if you go to BigfootTooth.com right now, BigfootTooth.com, um, I, it, it depends on when you are hearing this podcast, but which is why I always say subscribe to my e-newsletter, but if you go to BigfootTooth.com, I may have one of those two versions available right now uh, if you want to get one. Um, it's more likely that I'll have one that's got the Bigfoot tooth on it. 
it's less likely I'll have the one that has the Bigfoot tooth and the plesiosaur tooth because, you know, even though uh, you can get plesiosaur teeth, I get the best of the best. And, you know, it, it, I have to wait for them to be found and they come from another country. And I just can't, you know, go out in my backyard and pick a plesiosaur tooth off the tree. So at BigfootTooth.com, you'll see this video that I did where I'm talking about this process and I'm showing it's like a short video. It's only 90 seconds. And so I've got this Bigfoot tooth necklace. And then uh, for a limited time, I perhaps will also have the one that has the plesiosaur tooth. And I call that the master cryptid hunter necklace because that's a 100% genuine fossil plesiosaur tooth on that. So there's your... Your, your representation of both, you know, the, perhaps the ancestors or the inspiration for the Loch Ness monster and Bigfoot. Now, here is what I believe. I think that if you wear these, that it will attract cryptids. So if you're a cryptid hunter, if you're serious, then you've got to, you got to get one of these because I believe these shapes act as antennas for that energy. I don't have time to get into all the big, you know, theories behind the metaphysics of why I believe that. Um, but I, I also think if you are literally trying to go out there and have these experiences that you could take one of these teeth or take this necklace and put it at least for a little while on a wishing machine or a similar manifestation device and enhance your chances of having one of these encounters. I believe that. But you know what? Even if you don't want to have these encounters, it's just a really amazing and truly unique conversation piece, which is exclusively available from me. And, and, and actually, you know what? In the future, I may even allow some vendors to have exclusive access to sell these at particular Bigfoot festivals around the country. So if you're interested in being put on the application list, to maybe be a vendor who has ex the exclusive rights to one of these at a festival. Uh, just email me at uh, contact at joshuapwarren.com. Contact at joshuapwarren.com. Let me know what you have in mind. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I'll In the future, that'll be down the road. But I, I can just imagine everyone at a Bigfoot festival wearing one of these can't you it just makes sense so go there to bigfoottooth.com and even if you don't plan on getting one of these or and again i may not even have one in stock uh, go ahead and uh and take a look at the video and see how interesting this is <laughs> all right that is what i wanted to tell you about the bigfoot teeth now Let's move on to topic number two, shall we? Dangerous supernatural games. Now, I mentioned a little bit ago that most people have heard of this game, for example, like Bloody Mary or Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board. I'm going to actually get into those for a minute because there is some interesting stuff I didn't know about those. But not too long ago, I was at this oddity shop in uh, Las Vegas, and they had a book section. 
And to be honest with you, these days, I guess I'm kind of like everybody else. I don't even buy that many books when I'm out somewhere, unless it's a, like a rare regional book. If I can get it on Amazon, you know, I'll just order it and it'll pop up the next day usually. But I found this book that I went ahead and bought. It's a small black hardback book. It's called Dangerous Games to Play in the Dark. A Guide to Summoning Spirits, Divining the Future, and Invoking the Supernatural. And it is written by someone named Lucia Peters. And on the back of it, it says, Do not try this at home. Well, I guess it's time for a break, isn't it? When we come back, I'm going to... uh, I'm not saying you should try these at home, okay? But I'm going to tell you some about these, some of the ones that stand out in my mind. And uh, if you do try some of these, well, I'd like to know about it. Um, <laughs> I swear I'm not a mischief maker. This is this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be back after these important messages. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, 
and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. Yeah, I got this book called Dangerous Games to Play in the Dark by Lucia Peters. It says on the back, while these games might seem like simple dares or tests of bravery, chanting in front of a mirror, riding an elevator alone, taking pictures in the dark, you may be joined by unexpected playmates. They may promise otherworldly knowledge or contact with the other side, but nothing is without costs. If you choose to ignore this advice and play the games locked in this book, just remember, what you summon may not want the game to end. <laughs> and uh, there are about, looks like I haven't counted, maybe like a couple dozen games in here. Um, I have not contacted the author of this book for permission to read from it, so I will not do that. Um, the author should be happy for the little plug the author is getting. But nonetheless, uh, what I can tell you is that uh, the author didn't just make up these games out of the blue because you're able to also go online and find people talking about playing these games, which is really interesting. So... I got the inspiration for this from that book. But okay, let's let's start with the one that everybody knows, Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary is a legend of a ghost, phantom, or spirit conjured to reveal the future. So it says here online, she began uh okay, she is said to appear in a mirror when her name is chanted repeatedly. The Bloody Mary apparition may be benign or or malevolent, depending on historic variations. So uh, I remember as a kid, the you know, the whole thing was like you'd stand in front of a mirror with maybe a dim light and you'd say Bloody Mary three times and then supposedly she would appear. Of course, she never did. Uh, this is interesting, though, because it does remind you of these ancient stories regarding the psychomantium. So there must be a connection. It says here, historically, the divination ritual encouraged young women to walk up a flight of stairs backward, holding a candle and a hand mirror in a darkened house. As they gazed into the mirror, they were supposed to be able to catch a view of their future husband's face. There was, however, a chance they would see a skull or the face of the Grim Reaper instead, indicating they were going to die before they would have the chance to marry. 
Mm, that sounds creepy, doesn't it? In uh, the ritual today, Bloody Mary allegedly appears to individuals or groups who ritualistically invoked her invoked her name in an act of. Now, here's a here's a word that was new to me. <clears throat> an act of catoptromancy. Catoptromancy. You ever heard of that one? I had to look it up. Here it is. It's pretty simple. It says it is divination using a mirror. Hmm. Now, see, I would have just thought of that as scrying or something like that, where a fortune teller looks into a reflective surface or substance and tries to see the future like Nostradamus. But this is apparently a little uh, a bit different. It says here. According to uh, the ancient Greek, before the temple of Ceres at Patras, there was a fountain separated from the temple by a wall. And there was an oracle, very truthful, not for all events, but only for the sick. The sick person let down a mirror suspended by a thread till its base touched the surface of the water, having first prayed to the goddess and offered incense, and then looking into the mirror, he saw the presage of death or recovery, according as the face appeared fresh and healthy or of a ghastly aspect. All right, so there's a new word for you. Catoptromancy is a form also of just looking into a mirror. And so, um, you know, for Bloody Mary... The, the, they say the explanation here is that staring into a mirror in a dimly lit room for a prolonged period can cause one to hallucinate, basically, is what they're saying. All right, fine. Well, how about this one? Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Most people know this. I think it was even in uh, a movie uh, prominently featured with. Uh, I know you're all screaming the name at me right now. I can't remember. It came out a long time ago with some young ladies who are trying to be witches. But anyway, light as a feather, stiff as a board is a game played by children at slumber parties. The phrase has also oh the craft. That's what I do that too much on this show. I'll, I can't think of something immediately and then it'll pop into my head later, which is why I love to play Jeopardy. But I definitely love the pause button on my remote. Okay, light as a feather, stiff as a board is a game played by children at slumber parties. The phrase has also become established in popular culture as a reference to a levitation trick. Okay, and they also say this is known as abnormal lift. So here's the idea. One participant lies flat on the floor facing upwards. The others space themselves around that person, each placing one or two fingertips underneath the participant's limbs. The person closest to the head commonly begins by saying something like, she's looking ill, which is repeated several times and followed by she's looking worse, which is also repeated. The general direction of the call and repeat describes how the person is looking worse and worse, followed by saying she is dying. And finally, she is dead. And, you know, there are different variations but they say, um, you know, the person has to imagine that, you know, that he or she has died and now the body should be lighter than it was before. And then they end by everybody chanting light as a feather, stiff as a board. As they attempt to lift their companion's body using only their fingertips. And it, it seems like that the person is 
you know, almost weightless. They say you can explain this because the key to the trick is timing. Each of the lifters must apply the lifting force at the same moment. When this is done, the weight of the subject is divided equally between each lifter. So they say, say if you try to do this without synchronizing the lift, it will fail. All right. This is, you know, this is what they're claiming. And they say the history of this is pretty remarkable that there was a diary of a guy who lived in the 1600s. He was a naval administrator who wrote about seeing some little girls all playing this game back then. <laughs> so, again, you probably heard of those. But have you heard of this one called The Answer Man? This was a new one for me. The Answer Man is an urban legend about a game that is played by kids in Japan. And they say the game can invoke an evil spirit that will answer any question put to it. So here's how you supposedly play this game. And this shows you how modern this is because you need 10 people with 10 mobile phones. And this version is coming from a website called scaryforkids.com. <laughs> how to disturb your kids psychologically. Um, okay. Step it out again. 10 people with 10 mobile phones. Step one, gather 10 people in a loose circle. Each person must have the number of the person to their left. Okay, so whoever you end up sitting next to, whoever is on your left, you need to have that person's number on your phone. On the count of three, each person presses the call button to call the person on the left. And then... Next step here, uh, everyone puts their phone to their ear and listens. Because everyone is calling everyone else at the same time, all of the phones should be busy. So nobody should receive an answer. However, what will happen is that one person will find that their call is mysteriously answered. And guess what? They will hear a voice on the other end of the line. This is the answer man. Nobody knows who the answer man is. All right. The answer man exists somewhere out there in the nether ether. When you are on the phone with the answer man, you can ask him anything and he will answer whatever question you put to him. However, after he gives you your answer, he will have a question for you. And they say that if you answer his question incorrectly or you are unable to give an answer, a large gnarled hand will appear from the phone and tear off a piece of your body. Now, according to legend, the answer man is the ghost of a child who was born severely deformed. He had no arms, legs, even torso, just a head. And ever since then, his ghost has been trying to become a complete human being by collecting the body parts of others. You know, they say that Bloody Mary sometimes will appear and scratch your eyes out. So there's always something bad that can happen if things go wrong here. So I, <laughs> the next time you have a party, get your 10 friends together. May as well videotape it, you know, have maybe have an 11th person there who's not involved to just record it and try this out and see what happens and let me know. 
But one of the more complex ones that also has perhaps an even spookier connection is the elevator game. And I say that because there was a real young woman who played the elevator. Well, well, she, she ended up dead. Okay. Let's put it that way. And, and some people believe she ended up dead because that she was playing the elevator game all by herself. You may have even seen a documentary about this woman's death on Netflix. Um, it happened at the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. I'll tell you about it in a minute. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to the final segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and I'm talking about the elevator game. Here is one description from MagellanTV.com. What is the elevator game? Well, it purports to blur the lines of reality for players if they follow the rules and don't make a potentially fatal mistake. And then they say there was one disturbing case that has caught the attention of some people who believe in this game. And before I tell you about the game, uh, this is true. Um, the last known video of a woman named Elisa Lamb alive showed her in an elevator in the Cecil Hotel. And days later, her body was found in the hotel's water tank. To this day, nobody knows how she died or how her body got there. Now, uh, I learned about this by watching this Netflix documentary called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Cecil is spelled C-E-C-I-L. It is an old hotel that has oh, just a really violent, sordid history. I believe Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, used to go and hang out there. And just a super haunted, creepy hotel. And sure enough, this woman named Elisa Lamb. She was the daughter of Chinese immigrants and she was born in Canada and she, I think she was pretty much like on a vacation by herself and she decided to stay at the Cecil hotel. And when you watch the security footage from the elevator and the hallway, it's really unnerving and unsettling because this one night, this was um, in 2013 she she gets on this elevator by herself and she there's tons of footage of her clearly interacting with invisible people that's what it looks like an invisible person or invisible people and she's sometimes she peeks her head out of of the elevator and she's looking in the hallway like somebody's there and then she'll she'll go back and forth and this is does not look like some kind of playful fun thing it looks like that she is freaking out and and it's it's very troubling to watch this footage of her acting so erratically and then she disappears and then they found her i think it was like a month later or whatever inside this water tank on the roof of the hotel and throughout this whole period of time there were people staying at the hotel who were drinking you know this water that her body was in uh they that's how they discovered her because people were complaining about water pressure and all that and nobody knows to this day how she ended up in this water tank this cistern um they say it must have been some kind of accident but it's hard to understand how she got in there and in fact there are people who point out the, the similarity between what happened to her in this 2002 horror movie called dark water. So that is something you might want to look into if you're into, you know, unsettling mysteries. Again, Netflix crime scene, the vanishing at the Cecil hotel. And so there are people who think that it's possible. It's possible that somehow she was playing out this version of this urban legend called the elevator game. 
Now, this is kind of complex, so I'm not going to go through all the details. But again, I'm getting this particular information from MagellanTV.com. And uh, it says that the popular, uh, okay, the popularity of the elevator game has been, you know, influenced by what happened to her. And there are many steps to playing and surviving the game. And it is imperative that you follow them precisely in the exact order. Okay, so you play this usually by yourself. You have to get on an elevator in a building that has a minimum of 10 floors. So you would walk in alone. No outsider can enter the elevator with you. Nor can you leave at any point. If you do exit the elevator, you must start over. Step two, you ride the elevator from floor to floor in a specific sequence. So you go first, like up to the fourth floor and then down to the second floor and then to the sixth floor and down to the second floor again and then up to the 10th floor and then down to the fifth floor. And you must remember not to get off at any of those floors. When you finally get to the fifth floor, if you encounter a mysterious woman, do not look at her and do not answer or interact with her in any way. The consequences of engaging with her are said to include the possibility of never returning to the real world. Step four, now you push the button to descend from the fifth floor to the first floor. And that's where things could get really crazy if the elevator operates normally and takes you to the first floor, you can exit immediately and do not look back or talk to anyone. But if instead of taking you from the fifth to the first floor, the elevator begins to go up, well, congratulations, you are now being allowed into another world, an alternative reality. And if that happens, you might just like freak out and just press the emergency button and stop the elevator and wait for the fire department to get you out of there. Otherwise, you now are on your way to this other world where all kinds of things might happen. Things may look different. It might be dark and spooky. The power might be out. No one else will exist or be around. I, you might just lose consciousness. And then there are these steps for what you must do to get back into the real world, specific steps that you have to follow as well. And if you actually want to try this out, you can look this up on your own and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to try it. But if you try it, if you try it, you are welcome to contact me and tell me what happens to you. And if it's interesting enough, who knows? I'll, I mean, I'm sure I will include it on this show. So, I, you know, I, I don't have time to go into more of these games, but, um, again, I have no connection to this book or this author, but pretty interesting, dangerous games to play in the dark, play at your own risk. So here's what I want to close the show with. Uh, there has been a lot of talk lately about the threat of AI, artificial intelligence. And, uh, frankly, you know, people are so into computers and what's happening on their smartphone and their tab and everything that even, you know, reading about these dangerous games, it's kind of uh, reassuring to me because it makes me think like it's kind of nice that there are still 
people out there, especially kids who were just interacting and having social time and playing real kind of old fashioned games, some that may even go back hundreds of years. That's kind of nice. But as as we hear about the threat uh, of A.I. and you know, you don't need me to to give you my opinion on that too much. You have people like Elon Musk, who knows a lot more about it than I do, um, talking about how this could get out of control. And and ultimately, in, in a worst case scenario, it would be kind of like the Terminator movies. The idea is that this AI could reach a point where it is so much smarter than humans that it finds a way to survive without humans. And so it ultimately destroys humans it kills off humans uh if for no other reason to make sure that we don't try to kill it off you know survival of the fittest so the idea is that we humans are the smartest creatures on the planet supposedly and yet we have created something now this digital you know devil that is smarter than we are by a long shot and so now it's going to kill us off now whether or not that scenario plays out and i can see why that might happen here's what it made me think of and i just want to toss this out here real quick what if whatever created humans uh encountered the same thing whatever we considered god you know we're the frankenstein monster whoever frankenstein was what if we killed god in the same way that ai will kill us is there this cycle of the creation killing the creator? Because the creator reaches a point where it creates something that's so much better and or, or, or superior in certain ways, or at least dangerous in certain ways, that the process reverses and the creation kills the creator. I don't want to get into this big conversation about who is God and what is God, but I think you see what I'm saying. Is it possible? Everybody's like, where is God? God has created us and abandoned us. Well, I don't think that's true, but it's interesting to think about this idea that maybe that's how it works in some way that God made us and gave us too much power and we kind of have killed God, at least symbolically in our own minds. All right, let's forget that now. <laughs> let's listen all together to the good fortune tone. That's it for this edition of the show. Follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren. Plus, visit JoshuaPWarren.com to sign up for my free e-newsletter to receive a free instant gift and check out the cool stuff in the Curiosity Shop all at JoshuaPWarren.com. I have a fun one lined up for you next time, I promise. So please tell all your friends to subscribe to this show and to always remember the golden rule. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Today. 